so we'll check that out. So what you're looking at right there is Teton Valley and it starts coming around to what's called the pass and that's all these mountains right here and the pass is a place that's very fond of me because this is the birthplace of what we call backcountry skiing which is to say there's no lifts and no ski operators it's just miles and miles of big mountains and lots of trails and great powder shots well that's where I am right now and I want to bring us all to where we're going to be here for the sermon today I want us to get a big picture here a, a while back God set us on this journey to find out what it means to be empowered and by that we simply mean this how can God do more and more through us of whatever it is that he wants to do now a little while ago about a month ago God did something what we call identity in Christ which is the fancy way of saying simply who we are in God meaning who God made us to be and the idea is if we really understand who God made us to be then we're much more likely to actually enter into the things that he wants us to do that he wants to do through us so that's what we're looking at and that's what we've been looking at but there was something that happened on that journey about who we really are in God who we made us to be and that is one of the reasons why we don't enter into it is because frankly there's stuff that happens in life that isn't what we thought God should do, that isn't what we thought should have happened, that we don't understand that's devastating. And so that takes us into this other realm where we're not really who, we're not, are we really trusting God? Are we, do we really know what he wants to do or do we sort of shrink back from a lot of that? Alex Lawrence last week absolutely knocked it out of the park, telling us a story about how, learning how to trust God in the middle of almost the exact opposite of what we think of be trusting God. In other words, my wife is dying, and it's at this moment that you're teaching me to let go and just truly trust you. That's not to say to not have faith, as he said at the end of his sermon, and what I think is one of the most important things ever said at our church. He said, look, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith, and trusting God is a lot of what it is to have faith. But we just don't get to demand, insist, that he do something. Because what Alex showed us last week is that God is much bigger than what we know. Now, in this journey then that we're taking right now, which is why don't things always go the way that we think? And we've got a couple more weeks on it. Today, we're going to go a really interesting place with VJ. And VJ is going to point out to us something that we all know, which is one of the things that impedes us from actually doing what God wants us to do is sin. When there's sin in our life, it has an effect. Yes, his grace is bigger, and he can do all kinds of things despite us and so on. And we get into these little, simple little formulas that aren't any good. But, but, but there is a problem with sin in us. There is. And BJ is going to talk about how to become an overcomer. I just want to show you next week, uh, Serenity is going to do something that's incredible about other things that are happening that we don't always think about, don't always know. And then honestly, the next week, God has already laid the sermon on my heart big time. And it's a really important little journey that we're taking here in this Empowered series. But for right now, I really want to catch what VJ is going to do with us today. This is so important. VJ is wonderful. Many of you know him because he's one of the guys that really helps us make the service work every week. And, and VJ, seminary trained, uh, very, very sharp guy and really gets his theology and his doctrine and really gets what it is to live that in a real life. 
And the fact is, is that God has been showing VJ about how to become an overcomer in things of sin. Boy, wouldn't that be fantastic for everybody to know. So that's what we're doing today. Would you just please give a huge Lake Sam welcome to this wonderful man of God, VJ. Thank you, I'm on. Okay. Let me just get my power on. Thanks for the wonderful introduction, Kurt, if you're watching us. Uh, it's really honored to have an opportunity even to talk and share my own journey. Um, briefly about myself, um, I'm from India. Uh, I came here for work. My, I'm married and I have two kids um, back in India. This sermon is about um, my own personal journey in dealing with sin and what the Lord has taught me and how we can be as an overcomer. I think uh, we have Philip pray for us. Uh, Philip, can you pray for me? I'll definitely need that. And lift up another church, please. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for all that you are, all that you do. Lord, we just give you so much praise and glory, all that's due your name. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, speak through VJ this morning, uh, that you would give him your words, and Lord, that you would speak to our hearts through what he has to say, what you've laid on his heart this morning. And Father, we lift up uh, the other local church, uh, Foursquare, uh, Eastside Foursquare, Lord, and uh, their service, Lord, that you would speak there as well. We just thank you. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay, uh, so a little bit of background about myself. Um, I came to the Lord when I was 16. Uh, I got saved in a public crusade. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In India, we have this large public crusades. Uh, with uh, these evangelists coming in, popular evangelists, and I got saved one of them. I grew up in a very charismatic environment, and uh, I was really passionate for the Lord. Uh, if I look at my past life, uh, I had a heart for revival, and I would get involved in prayer groups which, uh, which prayed for revival. I did a lot of things in church, got involved in everything in church. Uh, I led uh, home groups at church, uh, in my own place. So if I look at myself, I felt that I was doing a pretty good job as a Christian. I felt if I look at my, my whole life, uh, I would rate myself like I'm pretty much better than most of the other guys out there. That's how, <laughs> that's how I saw myself. And um, it's around four years back, uh, my daughter, who was around six or seven at that time, she started getting some prophetic dreams and very elaborate dreams. And um, in one of those dreams, uh, she had, uh, this is what she had. She saw us as a family uh, in a shack uh, made of uh, coconut leaves and branches, and it was in a desert. And uh, in the dream, in the night, uh, a storm comes and knocks off our, uh, our shack. And uh, eventually, it's a long dream, but eventually our family also is lost uh, as part of that whole this thing. I had to take a step back when I realized this is a small child. She wouldn't be able to make up such things on her own. And uh, I was asking the Lord, what is it that he was trying to tell me from this dream? And I knew that this somehow had to deal with the parable which Jesus talks about, where he says the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. 
and this foolish builder builds his house on sand, and a uh, storm comes and knocks it off, um, uh, knocks the house off, right? And the words which Jesus talks before and after it, he says that uh, those who do my, keep my commandments are those are the ones which, are, which will stand on um, the rock, which is we need to obey his voice and start doing his voice, uh, doing his commands. I looked at my own Christian life and I thought uh, I was doing a lot of stuff for the Lord, but if I look at my own personal life, which is probably not visible to everybody else, I realized that uh, the same sins which I had when I got born again and started off my Christian journey, I was struggling with the same sins even after all these years of uh, walk with the Lord. I never really had victory over them. I had, uh, it's not like I didn't try, I did try uh, to get victory, but it was the same cycle where I try and then you think you have victory and then you fall flat and then you know that you mess it all up. It's the same cycle of God forgive me, I want to stand firm and try to live again, you fall, it's the same cycle. And I started realizing that God is talking to me about this specific thing that whatever I could do for the Lord, it's like building all these things, but if I don't get my foundation right, it's all going to be washed away at the end of it. Right? It talks about you in Corinthians where uh, people build with gold, silver, and precious stones, and then the other set is uh, wood, hay, and stubble. Right? It says that uh, the wood, hay, and stubble gets burnt up. And I knew that my daughter's dream was uh, definitely referring to something related to that. So that's when I started on this journey of trying to figure out what is the sin and how do I really start overcoming this? And I started becoming very focused on, on this particular area in my life and uh, started praying about it and trying to figure out what the Lord has to say for me in this um, particular aspect. So I'll just jump in. Uh, I want to start off with some very basics of Christianity. And here, here's, here's what it starts off with. It says... Uh, for in the day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. That's what uh, God says to a Adam and Eve. They eat the fruit, and guess what? They don't die. They're still alive. Right? They die eventually, but the day they ate it, they didn't die. Right? But what really happened at that point was it's the relationship with God which is cut off. That is the basic thing which happened, and they could not face God anymore. Right? So sin always has to do with relationship. And it talks about our salvation experience. Mm, I'll read this out. And he made, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, and in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Some I'm not getting the red uh, highlights on my PowerPoint. I'm not sure if you can fix that, but that's fine. So. He made us alive. We were dead in our sins at the cross when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you start off your Christian journey because that's when you're alive at that point. Right? That's your start of your Christian journey. And we all know that it's uh, by grace and through faith alone that we're saved. And it's definitely not by works. That is uh, the basis of Christianity. Now, once we are made alive, you start off your Christian journey, then it talks about this one, right? And truly... Our fellowship, or 
I would term that as relationship, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship or a relationship with one another. So it's talking about, whenever we talk about sin, it's not fire and brimstone. It's all to do with a personal relationship with the Lord. Whenever we take this context of a relationship with God and talk about sin, it becomes a religion. It just becomes a bunch of rules and regulations that you have to do, and it becomes a really a big burden for uh, humanity when we get after religion. Right? So all the context about sin that we talk about going forward should only be in the context of uh, a relationship with your God. That is the only bottom line that we should all focus on. So when I started off this journey, my, uh, I was trying to figure out uh, how do I get uh, victory over sin, and I started listening to a lot of uh, grace teaching because they seem to be addressing this fact about sin. And after uh, looking at those things, I started realizing that uh, there's some things which uh, I had a different opinion on. I started realizing that in the Bible, there are two specific things it talks about, and two very distinct things. One is it talks about our position in Christ, like what Kurt was saying, our position in Christ. And then it also talks about our walk in Christ. There are two very distinct things. Right? I'll try to show it to you in one of the uh, letters uh, in Ephesians. And you can probably check it out in the Bible yourself as well. It starts off in Ephesians in chapter 2, where he starts addressing this fact about he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is the position in Christ that we have. Right? But then he goes on beyond that, and then he goes to say in chapter 5, he talks about that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. So, I started realizing that uh, the most of the grace teaching, and if you look at uh, the same structure, look at it in many other um, New Testament uh, letters. If you look at Galatians, uh, it initially it starts off with this uh, problem with uh, circumcision, and Paul has to deal with that and say, hey, you don't need to get into another cycle where you need to do all these rules and regulations and obey some laws. Right? It talks about Jesus Christ, is, the work which Jesus Christ has done is full. It's fully accomplished everything that you need for salvation. You don't need to add anything to it. But then when he goes into Galatians chapter 5, he then starts talking about the works of the flesh and having fruit of the Spirit. It's the same thing, position, then it goes into your walk. Look at it even in Colossians, even. Colossians 1 and 2, he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's the same pattern. He talks about Colossians 1 and 2, he talks about Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and our position in, in Christ. 
and from Colossians 3 onwards, he starts getting into, so how do you now start living out this, uh, this relationship that you have in Christ? Talks about, now set your mind and thinks about, and, and goes through, through a bunch of things. I realized that the grace teaching which I was hearing, uh, it focused a lot about the position in Christ. So they would say things like, um, you're already righteous, God sees you holy, right? They all talk about these things. And it's absolutely right when we talk about we're already righteous and he's, he already sees us as holy. It's absolutely right. But what they don't do is they start downplaying this walk in Christ. This walk in Christ which talks about let no sexual immorality and all these things, right? Such sins have no place for us. They start downplaying these things and the way they look at it is Let's focus on the position, and then these things will just take care of themselves. Just don't worry about these things. That's how they seem to approach this problem. But the Bible is very clear, and uh, it seems to address this walk with Christ as well, as much as it talks about our position in Christ. So we should focus on both these areas in our own personal life. Right? Not only that, then I started realizing that there are a lot of warnings which are written in the Bible. If you look at uh, these things, uh, it talks about the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and goes through a whole list of uh, these sins. And he says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God talks about another verse where it says, for many walk, to realize it's many of us, of whom I have often, I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Seem to be, look at the New Testament uh, verses, there's a bunch of these warnings which uh, the Bible talks about. And we seem to be trying to ignore these things because we feel if we talk about these warnings, it, it portrays God as a very hard God, and uh, we do not want people to get confused with that, and we want rather to show God as a God of who's loving, as merciful. We want to focus more on that rather than focus on any of these other things which look like it's a hard God out there. But then uh, think about a scenario where you have a parent and they're talking to their five-year-old child and they're telling the children, uh, don't talk to strangers. Right? They start saying, don't go with strangers, especially if they start offering you candy. <laughs> right? And then if the kid says, why not, right? You'd say, bad things are out there, right? You'd say, they take you away from mommy and daddy, right? Do you look at those parents and do you tell them, hey, why are you talking about all these negative things to your children? <laughs> right? Don't talk all these negative things. You should tell your children the world is a wonderful place out there. It's filled with wonderful people out there, right? It's just like Disneyland out there, <laughs> right? No, we are more uh, smarter and we think, I'd rather warn my child of uh, 
all these things out there, that there's though there's beautiful things out there, we should also be cautious about the negative things out there. Isn't that the same way that our Father looks at it when He looks at us and He says, Hey, don't go down this path. On this path, at the end of it, is destruction. Stay within this light or my own boundaries. In my presence, there is peace and joy and this fullness. Jesus says he's come to give us abundant life. But that is in the light. But once you start going outside the light, outside this boundary, you're giving the devil the authority. And that's what God the Father, he is talking to us of these warnings, not as the God who's talking to us in anger, saying that I'm going to get you if you don't do what I say. That's not his attitude. He's talking to us in great love and deep concern. Just like we as parents, we have great love and deep concern for our children, our Heavenly Father is talking about these warnings in the same love. Once I started seeing that it is the love of the Father, I then don't look at these warnings and these other things and say, let's not talk about this stuff because it will portray God in a negative way. But I start seeing the heart of the Father saying, these are really important things. These are truths as much as the other truths which talk about your position in Christ. These are also absolute truths. And we should start addressing these truths rather than trying to hide them and figure that, that they'll all go away. If I look at my own Christian life, I, that was the, my own approach. The way I thought is, I should just go and serve the Lord, and um, my sin and my sin nature would somehow just slowly ebb away and it'll vanish. Or the other way I, I would think is, or probably when I'm serving the Lord, I'd have one kind of this, uh, God is going to zap me with one of his experiences and I'm going to have one of those <laughs> experiences. And then the sin nature would just, be, it'll just get out of my life. And then I could go and serve the Lord. But guess what? I didn't have any of the zapping experience. Or <laughs> I didn't have, all those things didn't vanish away. So I had to go and figure out what does the Bible really talk about? How do we deal with these things? How does the Bible talk about them? I started going, trying to dig into how to get victory over sin. Now, that's the basic foundation, though I'm not talking about I'm, a lot of the grace teaching out there. I'm not uh, trying to counter any of that. But I just want to lay some basic foundation on why we're trying to now live a victorious life. And it's all about relationship. Right? So when we go into topic about overcoming, what are we really overcoming? What is the Bible talking about? And what context are we overcoming? The first one is the usual suspect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to overcome Satan. Right? That's the most obvious one. We all know our battle is against Satan. He's the one who's always trying to come and tempt us. And he's the one who's trying to take us away from God and get on this path of destruction. That's the most obvious. The second thing which the Bible talks about is this thing called the world. Right? Talks a lot about uh, the world. Uh, don't love the world. Come out of the world. Starts talking a lot of these things. Right? Then the third thing which the Bible talks about is our flesh and a sinful nature. I realize that um, 
at the cross when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, he has forgiven our sins and washed away all our sins. Right? But then the Bible talks about another thing called a sinful nature, which is still remaining. And we start have, having to deal with the sinful nature. Right? Our sins are forgiven, but we still have the sin nature. And the dynamics between all these three things are, they're all interconnected, right? They're all interconnected. It's like Eve looks at this fruit and says, wow, this is so beautiful. I want to have this. That is how the world is always, right? But then it's our own desire where we want it. It's this combination of this world out there which gives all these pleasurable things and looks so wonderful out there, and it's our own sinful nature which is attracted towards it. And all Satan has to do is throw one of those fruits out there. He just has to glitter it in the, this way and say, here it is. And then our sinful nature just kicks in, and we want that. So that is the connection between all these three things. So what is the strategy which God gives us for addressing each of these three things. It's a different strategy for each of these three things. The first thing, he talks about the world. The strategy he gives us is, come out of it. I'm just giving phrases in the Bible, right? Come out of it, or renew our minds, right? And don't conform to its pattern. That's what the Bible talks about in, to in terms of the world. Right? In terms of the flesh and the sinful nature, it's a different strategy talks about crucify it, put it to death. There's no other way. You just can't pacify it at all. The only way is complete death. It talks about Satan, says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So many times, we are resisting the devil. Oh, go out of my life. Right? We're resisting and praying all this violent prayer saying that get out of my life, right? But you forget to do the first part. The first part, submitting to God, has to do with these two things. If you don't do these two things and you go out and all your violence against the devil, you have no authority. You can't expect the devil to flee from you if you don't submit to God and start obeying and just only go in violence against the devil. So I want to talk about um, some of the keys which I've learned, and this is not comprehensive. These are some, some of my own experiences which I learned uh, on the journey. And I've, I'm only just giving, trying to give you an outline, and hopefully you'll be able to catch some of them. The first key which I learned is faith. The Bible constantly talks about faith. It constantly talks about faith. You cannot access righteousness without faith. That's the common, that's the standard in the Bible. You just can't access righteousness without faith. And look at this passage, which talks about, I have been crucified with Christ, going back to the same thing, position. I have been crucified, which is your position. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Right? Then he starts talking about you walk. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. 
you can have faith for a bunch of things, for healing, for whatever miracle, you can have a bunch of things for faith for a bunch of things, right? But what is this talking about? What is this faith in the Son of God talking about? What is the context in this? I want to go through a couple of other uh, passages. Look at what the Bible says about um, sin, right? It says, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Another place says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. Now we look at our own experience and we say, hmm, sin does have dominion over me. That doesn't look right. And the second one, well, I did pray to God and I did ask the Lord to help me out of temptations, but it doesn't seem to work. So we start looking at our own experience and start denying God's word. We start making our experience more, more real than the truth of God's word. But faith is different. Faith is trying to accept God's word and let your experience follow that. That is the same standard across the world, right? Look at the Israelites when they were trying to get into the promised land. They had all these giants, and they saw the giants and said, uh-uh, I'm not going in there, <laughs> right? They said, I'd rather not mess with these guys. I'd rather go back into Egypt which is sin, right? The opposite of faith is always unbelief. It's just unbelief. It's not believing that these scripture verses are true. Either it's true or false. You have to accept that. And the only way to accept it is start accepting that whatever the Lord says is the truth, irrespective of your own experience. So, Start off your journey with faith. It's only when we step out in faith, that's when you start seeing the victory. The more you start seeing in unbelief, you start saying, this is not for me. I'd rather go back and live in this Egypt. That's better off for me. Right? That's the first thing. The, the second thing which the Bible talks about, and, and I'm going back to the same uh, circle which I talked about, sin, world, and, uh, and the flesh, right? Talks about consecration. Right? Talks about consecration. Look at this couple of verses. It says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When I came to this part of the, my Christian walk, I started having to realize what is the world in my own life. And for me, and I'm telling very specifically, it is for me, for me the world was entertainment. It was uh, TV, movies, internet, whatever, right? That was the world for me. And that was the gateway, the entry point rather, where I was getting sucked into all this lifestyle of sin. It's not that I start off and do some really bad things. It's always just a starting gateway. It's just a starting entry point. And I started realizing that is the whole thing which was, I was struggling with. That is the entry point. And I had to deal with that entry point. 
when the Lord, Lord starts showing me these things and uh, uh, the Lord starts speaking through multiple dreams and uh, prophetic words and I had to come out of the world, right? But when you think about that, right, when we talked about the world and the flesh, the flesh within me was screaming like, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> I need this entertainment. <laughs> How am I going to live my life without this entertainment? How can I live this life? I need this. Then when I have some countering arguments saying that, no, this is the one which is causing me to always stumble and go in this path of uh, sin, then it gives me another argument. I need this entertainment as an entry point to unbelieving Christians, right? So that I can have something to talk about and then slowly then maybe I can bring them to church, <laughs> right? So I had all trying to make some religious things of, uh, of these things. And then you have to realize that, that these are all the tricks of the devil, where you're own, only trying to find out excuses for your own life. And the only way to deal with that is, I said, death. When it talks about death, it means that you have to deal with it. It is not pleasant at all when you it, when it talk about death. You have to take out your own step of faith and say, I'm going to come out of whatever the world is for me, whatever it is for you. It might be different for you, but you should identify your own world and start coming out of it. That's your starting point where you start seeing victory of the Lord. This is the love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. See, when we are on this journey of trying to come out of the world and we start putting some, we should do this, don't do this, we get into this trap of uh, all these rules and regulations again. We should always start recalibrating. What is the real reason why I'm trying to come out of the world? If it is not based out of love for God, if it's not based out of love for God, it becomes a religion again. It becomes another set of rules and regulations. And it becomes God's commands are not burdensome. When you realize that they're becoming burdensome, it means that your intention is wrong. If your intention is to get a feel-good factor about yourself, that you're living a moral life, or you're trying to please the church, or society, or your spouse, or whoever it is, right? that becomes your motivation rather than love for God. Whenever it's trying to please others and please yourself, all these rules that we place for ourselves become like a big dead weight on you. But when it becomes it's your relationship with God and you're pursuing a relationship with God, then you say, Lord, I want to do whatever it takes to have this relationship with you. I don't want to mess my relationship with you. Then all these commands become so easy. Adam's looking at me as a watch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one talks about renewing your mind. I'll, do, I'll give a quick uh, couple of uh, verses. And then I'll, do not be confirmed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then the passage talks about, uh, if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting 
at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I want to talk about a couple of um, my own experiences in this. Uh, I had a dream and the Lord spoke to me in a dream and said I was working in a company and I was working in one account and the Lord said take up another account, uh, roll another account and whoever takes up that role in the second account will eventually go and lead that account. Well, that seemed a very long shot, but uh, I said, I'll, I'll go obey the Lord, and I took up that role. And then I, I, I was in this role, and I was somewhere way down there in that role. No chance of uh, being ever able to come up there and ever see that, uh, that being fulfilled in, in its fullness. And my prayers were like, Lord, you've got to now do this because you promised me that you're going to... Uh, uh, make me own this uh, account. That was my prayer. And then during this journey, the Lord started opening up some more other things. Right? The first, what the Lord does is, He takes care of all your external sins, right? Your sin, your lust, and all those other external things, what it looks like, uh, all the external sins. Then He starts dealing with some more internal hidden things, which you don't realize. Right? I realized that in my own uh, career, I thought that um, my friends did much better than me. They got the promotions faster. They are more wealthy. They had better stuff at their homes, right? They had better things. <laughs> and I was constantly at uh, a place where I said the complaining to God or, or a sense of dissatisfaction in my own career. I started realizing that it's just not that was the root. And then you, you start loving those things or craving for those things. You want that glory. And you always cover it up with some spiritual things. So, Lord, for your name's sake, <laughs> right? you got to make me up there. you got to get me up there. Right? But at the end of it, it's your own desire for, Lord, I want to be more powerful. I want more of this. That's my own selfish motives and desires. It's the love of money. And the, what the Bible talks about, the pride of life. It talks about this concept of the pride of life, where you feel egoistic and say, I've made it. I made it. I'm better off now than all my friends. They've got to see me now in this new car, or whatever, right? Whatever. They've got to see now, me now, how I've made it. Right? That's how... This pride of life gets it. Whether it's your family, whatever you take pride in, right? You want your other friends and people to look at you and say, wow, this guy's made it. The Lord started showing me those things. And when the Lord started showing those things, then I realized that I had to repent. And I turned to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. My whole goal for getting these things was with a wrong motivation. When I started praying those prayers of repentance, God immediately opened up this situation in my own office. It's a very long story uh, because the focus is not this testimony about, uh, about my own career. The Lord started moving things very fast and the people who were the management in this account, they were completely moved out. And I was just, it was like a Joseph moment where they just asked me saying that you handle this. And it was a very large multi-million dollar account very, very unlikely for somebody to just hand it over and say, okay, now you handle it. 
it is awesome when the Lord does it in the right way. I started realizing then that our pursuit of career and all the rest of thing, these things have no value in the sense of eternity. Right? Whatever, whether I do the smallest job in my company or I rise up the career ladder and become a big shot has no eternal value. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should be sloppy in your job because the Bible talks about the God gave work to Adam even before he fell. Right? So we should still do our jobs just like we're doing it for the Lord. But don't set your heart and your desires on what the Bible says, things of the world. That's what draws you astray. And you think that you're trying to serve the Lord and God is going to be glorified, but no. The way God wants to glorify himself, he will glorify himself. You don't need to worry about that. <laughs> you don't need to advise him on how he should be glorified based on <laughs> your position in life or your career. <laughs> right? Then I started realizing that's my, uh, what I'd say, career and my natural career. But I, also, I have other stories for my spiritual career. <laughs> a spiritual career, <laughs> right? Where you want to do things for the Lord. But I don't have that much time, so I'll, I'll briefly talk about uh, something else. I said I, I grew up in this charismatic environment, and I was passionate for the Lord. And I saw all these great preachers, and I wanted to be like them. Right? I wanted to be the guy on stage who could just wave my hand, and all the side of the crowd will just fall in the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's somebody and say, be healed, and they just <laughs> come out of their wheelchair or whatever, right? That would be so cool. God, it's for your glory. <laughs> but I also would like to be in that limelight. That was my motivation for so many of those prayers. Started realizing that Oh, Lord, how deep sin I am in, Lord. And the Lord starts exposing all your hidden things. Right? First he starts dealing with all the external things. Then he starts dealing with all your motivations. Right? The real motives of what you do and why you do things. He starts dealing with those things. That is when I said, you start transforming your mind and realize that it is not about this world. It's not about your position in this world. It's about something in eternity. So that's why it says, start setting your focus and your mind on things about. Right? The pleasure which we want and we try to run after, God has something else. He says, at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that. Rather than all the things which I can run after and think I made it, but they're only temporary pleasures. I'd rather run after the pleasure which is at his right hand, which is having that fellowship and enjoying the fellowship with them. Right? If we then go deeper into the word, it says, I mean, we ha can't even imagine what God has prepared for us. Right? Start looking at those verses, and it's mind-blowing when you start realizing that God has something really fantastic for us, which is beyond our imagination. Don't run after these useless things. Start running out of things which are eternal. The next key which I talk about is there's only 
this is the last one. Holy Spirit. I realized that um, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. The biggest factor which gives us victory in our Christian life as, as New Testament believers is the Holy Spirit. That is, I would say, the single biggest factor because he is living inside of us. It is the life of Christ which is coming out. Because once we put ourselves to death, then it's the life of Christ which is coming out and becomes a natural expression of the Lord when he is expressing himself. It talks about, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You need to start depending on the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. I tried it. I put all this other stuff, rules, regulations. I, right? None of those things work without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Right? However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I realized that um, I knew so many of these scripture passages, all these things which are quoted are not something new stuff, right? They're all, we've been Christians and we heard this so many times in our in many sermons. But it's the spirit of truth who activates the word. He brings that word to life for your own situation. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Not because you, you can't memorize those passages, but you need the Holy Spirit to bring that truth into your life. And then what I say is he activates that word. That's what he does so beautifully. And when that word becomes life, you could see the same word for 100 times. It wouldn't make any sense. But when he makes that word active in your life, it's like a new door is opened. Right? That is the revelation which the Spirit brings into our lives. And He is the Spirit of truth. Right? He is the Spirit of truth. Right? Then He starts helping us in our weaknesses. Right? Talks about, um, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Start praying in the Spirit. If the Lord has uh, poured out His Spirit in your life, start praying in the Spirit. It's He who starts finding out what our blind spots are. We don't know our blind spots. Right? We don't know why we're going in the same cycle of sin. It's He who can find out that blind spot and identify it for us. And when we're praying in the Spirit, that's what He's praying for. So don't ignore when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore it. Use it. Use it fully. Okay. I want to talk about this whole process, right? this whole process which we're talking about, coming out of the world, starting believing in faith. Right? This whole process, the Bible talks about it as training. Look at these couple of passages. Right? It says, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. When you talked about the world, so many of us would have that uh, initial question saying that, oh, what, so what should I do? Give me a checklist. Should I do this? Should I not do this? What should I watch? What should I not watch? You want this checklist, right? But the Bible doesn't have a checklist. In the New Testament, there's no checklist. This is what the Lord says to us. You have to constantly evaluate what is good from evil. 
it is that constant evaluation where you start realizing, yes, I'm getting into trouble if I get into this. That is the constant training which the Holy Spirit gets you into. Right? Then it talks about discipline as well. Right? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It is submitting to the Lord's training, saying, Lord, I want this path. I want this journey of victory. He's saying, I want to take it whichever way you lead me. It might be hard for me, hard discipline, but I want to come under your training. Conclusion, I just want to close it off with a couple of scripture passages. This passage in Revelation talks about they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. It's a combination of three things. It's a combination of the blood of the Lamb which is the finished work of the cross. You can't add anything more to it. The Lord has finished the work for us. You start off your Christian life only based on that finished work, on nothing else. Right? But then you should start doing something. You should start now believing what the Lord has done and start confessing it in faith. It's your confession of faith which will activate the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You need to start confessing this. We talked about this a lot, right? And then the last thing. Most people don't get victory because of the last one. We love our lives so much. We love our pleasure so much. We love all the things of the world so much. When we don't love it and put ourselves to death, that's when we start seeing the victory of the Lord. And it's really wonderful when we start experiencing the victory of the Lord. During all this journey, I'd say we have one fantastic safety net. That safety net is this verse. It says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. In this journey, you're not trying to... It's not you against God. It's God with you on this journey. Saying, come on, follow my son Jesus. My son Jesus has done it perfectly. Now I'm identifying you as my own son, just like I identified the Lord Jesus. Follow him. And it's, it's okay, right? This is the great safety net which we have because the Lord is our defense in all this. The Lord is our defense. Once we start walking this out of a relationship then rules, it becomes so easy for us to get into this um, lifestyle. I want us to, uh, I want to pray a small prayer and close this uh, service. And if the Lord has touched you during this, any of these points which I made, I want you to, in your own heart, ask the Lord, Lord, I need this life. I need this lifestyle of victory. And the starting point to all of this is always repentance. We have to start off with saying that, yes, Lord, I agree that I was way off the course. And I want to get back on the course. I want this lifestyle. Let's pray a small prayer. Hallelujah.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, the the victory that you have for us, Lord, is so amazing. We want to believe that there is victory out there, Lord. We want to accept it in faith, Lord Jesus. Take of this unbelief in our lives. Take away all this unbelief in our lives. All the clutter, Lord Jesus, in our lives, which we have filled our lives with. I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, Lord, right now I pray that you'll open everybody's eyes, that they might see the current state. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'll open their eyes, Lord. Bring them to a place of realizing, Lord, where they are currently at, Lord. And so out of your great love, your great love, you call us back to yourself, Lord. All through scripture, it's your great love, Lord, that you are always calling us back to yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that love, Father. Thank you so much for that love. We want to come running, Lord, into your arms of love. Lord, I ask your precious blood of your son, Jesus, to cleanse us. Cleanse us from our sins. Lord, and we want to now live this life of victory, Lord. Holy Spirit, Lord, teach us. Train us, Lord. Train us, Lord, in this journey. Train us in this journey, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.